I'm Mark Stedman, and I shall have to ask you to step outside. I'm Danny Smith. Have some sense of proportion. I'm John Bounds, and welcome to the most savage psychic torture a sentient being can undergo. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard, leopard. <laughs> From the outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard, the show where we pick apart the entirety of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and put it back together in alphabetical order. I commented last week and it got cut, which means I cut it, uh, that I sounded drunk and I don't understand why that is. I spoke to someone today and they were like, Yeah, it was a bit weird um but it was a good episode and we're gonna have another one now um we're gonna follow up actually speaking of uh the last episode on some stuff about tea ah, um, ah right okay i didn't listen to the last episode i'm sorry tea tea basically people like tea you know what tea is though right yeah. i mean basically the episode was that uh two out of the three uh contributors are in favor of tea broadly yeah no i'm i will i will back I will back your tea liking. Yep, there you go. So that means we all have to have tea. But oh. that's, the, that's the result of the referendum. Oh, we are destroying. It. We're destroying coffee. You can <laughs> oh, no, no longer can, no can ever have it. Ever. I just bought an AeroPress. Fuck up. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Do you know what? There's a there's an intersection of type of person where li- liking one thing becomes the entirety of their personality. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, You've yeah, met yeah, the people yeah. that like I love. I used to love Kevin Smith, but then he became the type of person where his entire personality was based on him really liking weed. Yes, and it's like I can no longer listen to you because I'm just I'm just on edge waiting for you to, to drop a weed reference and expect high fives from the universe. You actually went a slightly different way that, uh, than than I was going to go. I really like Kevin Smith, but there is a certain type of person who really likes Kevin Smith and oh yeah, yeah that's also a type of person that I tend to be like, eh, I mean, we'll have we'll have we'll have a fun conversation for a couple of minutes and then after that we're going to have to move on to something else because I mean all, all the and the reason I got to this is there's people yeah. that like coffee as as a personality or as a punchline or gin. Oh, the punchline coffee drinkers. Yeah, whoa, not until I've had my third cup of coffee. Yep. I went on a date with someone and that was basically the entirety of the date. Didn't go well. But where did you take them? You better have took them to a coffee shop. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where we met. So, of course, that's, you know, and and it was just the first 10 minutes of mm, coffee and all of the different things that, that people say about how much they like coffee and how much they need coffee. So this is like people who are obsessed with the EU and it's their one and only political uh, point. It was weird when UKIP did it and it's weird when people who really like the EU do it. It's all weird. Weird. Fucking <laughs> Who had the first ten minutes before John mentioned the EU? Who had the first ten minutes? First ten minutes. Yeah. yeah no, that yeah, was yeah, me. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Stay over and under on that. Um, what have you got on the anal probe sweep? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Danny's is an an- uh, animal fucking sweep. <laughs> <laughs> Look, right. I said that I would have sex sex with an owl mm-hmm. once, maybe twice. <laughs> and the is the owl disappointed? <laughs> and. And you get a reputation. So, uh, follow up then. Um, so, so if you if you had to have sex with an animal, what would it be? A bit disappointing. <laughs> Disappointed. Yes. So, John Bounds uh, last week made a comment about kettles and that it takes a long time to boil because the vo- voltage is really low. And I was like, Haha, I think you'll find. Um, and as in all statements that start, Haha, I think you'll find, or well, actually. It was, of course, not entirely accurate. So uh, I, I spoke to a, a good friend yesterday who said, no, the, the kettle thing's probably about right. But m- most Americans, and, and I knew this at the time, 
and didn't say it. Most Americans don't use electric kettles. They use hob kettles, uh, to my knowledge. So, like, they would, I guess, boil a bit quicker, but they're the ones that whistle, and you don't do the voltage thing. So that's the thing. Um, he uh, are, also- we, are we calling that thing that American, that filth that Americans make tea? Is is Does, does it deserve... Are we are we still doing that? Because it's really well, not. Okay. It's not fucking tea. How fucking dare you? No, no, that's fine. Um, and and it's interesting that you bring that up because I had a, another chat with a friend today who was absolutely flabbergasted, um, that I don't have coffee beans, uh, and <laughs> I used coffee grounds. You know, like a person. Um, <laughs> And and he, he like he didn't like you know so you grind your beans and I was, whoa 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 no one's <laughs> grinding beans not in not is he in saying the UK. You, is he suggesting you having a wank <laughs> you grinding your beans son grind your grind your beans um and and so you know we're we're not a native coffee drinking island in the in the same way that uh, in, uh that the US is not a native tea drinking uh, you know because they threw it all away didn't they in um, in the sea so yeah they were they were doing that in protest right they're protesting the king's taxes mm-hmm. right but symbolically i like to think that they were just making a really big cup of salty tea <laughs> i'd like to and therefore we the win world some tea like homeopathic tea really <laughs> oh god yeah just the memory of just tea. waving a tea bag at it waving a tea bag at some lukewarm water which is how they've been making tea ever since mm-hmm. now my my friend also did tell me a rather charming story which i want to i want to impart to you um this is the the guy who correct i don't want to use his name because i might say some other things um he was a university student in the 90s and this was in america and where he's from and he was speaking to someone else who said you know do you want to go and grab some lunch and do some stuff and uh in fact i think she she said to him um there's a book signing happening uh you should come i think you'd like it and he's like well i've got an exam in literally an hour uh i've got to go and take take an exam but she said you know what come come along i think i think you'll like it and they turned up to this bookstore and just sat there alone, um, just sort of looking around and just was was our uh, was our Douglas Adams. And he was just wrapping up the book tour for uh, Last Chance to See. And uh, <laughs> he, he offered the, the two uh, friends if they wanted to go and have lunch. And this person's friend turned to Douglas and said, well, I'd love to, but he's got to go for an exam now. So <laughs> she went and had lunch with Douglas Adams and he had to go and sit an exam. Oh, man. Yeah. Man, that's lovely. I'd have ditched it. I'd have ditched it in a, in a second. You can take an exam again. Mind you, I ditched the second half of one of my um, university papers to uh, watch an England versus Japan friendly, where it ended at 1-0 and David Platt scored. Mm, dear. <laughs> well, David Platt was a good player. <laughs> 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 well now uh stop it's uh hammer time thor is a thunder god arthur picks a fight with him over trillion at an airborne party john we know that rob mckenna is a rain god is thor the thunder god or just a thunder god and if so how does the uh, hierarchy work out mm, thor is definitely the thunder god he's the god of thunder agreed i think this is rather much not there's not much so much god um hierarchy as uh semantic <laughs> so it's like being in the customs union or being in a customs union oh christ <laughs> i really 
Really, really. Um, I can't hear you over the axe you're grinding. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like uh, Douglas's treatment of Thor in general uh, as a character in this, but I do like the uh, the Norse gods, how they appear in the Dirk Gently novels as well. And I think he has a, an affinity with um, Norse uh religion and it's um it's it's fascinating the norse religion it's uh and of course it was our religion in the uk mm-hmm. for quite some time did you know probably not that uh you used to you could trace uh the family tree of our english kings uh and queens all the way back to the woden yeah we talked about him a, a few weeks ago he's the guy who had the chat show on bbc oh one. yeah shit i forgot i did that um, <laughs> i, I don't really <laughs> Because oh, Danny Dyer, Danny Sorry. Dyer does it in that in that documentary that he made. Oh really? Oh, God, that's a weird <laughs> sentence to say. But uh, <laughs> if you if you do want a, a really entertaining historical documentary, that Danny Dyer one's a cracker. But yeah, they mention it like you can you can trace your lineage back all the way back to a god if you want. It's worth noting that we always mention Pratchett, but Pratchett um, kind of does the whole god thing as well as Neil Gaiman. Yes. Actually, like, there's a lot of yes. fantasy people do that that god on earth thing but um it doesn't you're the god of thunder or the you're the god of rain for the people that worship you yes well certainly in game in the game verse um yeah but it's also worth noting that thor wasn't just the thunder god he was a god of a whole bunch of stuff Mm. there wasn't many norse gods so they did a quite a lot of heavy lifting they they a lot of double duty yeah did a bit of double duty i I know that he was a fertility god Mm. definitely and he was probably some sort of strength protector god as well. Good border. But he he's portrayed as a drunk buffoon in a lot of the um in a lot of the the poems, um, which is lovely. Like uh, Neil Gaiman's um, Norse Gods. If you ever want a really good book mm-hmm. about that sort of shiz, hmm. it is good. And now. One of the major problems encountered in time travel is not that of accidentally becoming your own father or mother, but it's quite simply one of grammar. And the main work to consult in this matter is Dr. Dan Street Mentioner's Time Traveller's Handbook of 1001 Tense Formations. It will tell you, for instance, how to describe something that was about to happen to you in the past before you avoided it by time jumping forward two days in order to avoid it. The event will be described differently according to whether you are talking about it from the standpoint of your own natural time, from a time in the further future, or a time in the further past, and is further complicated by the possibility of conducting conversations whilst you are actually travelling from one time to another with the intention of becoming your own father or mother. Most readers get as far as the future semi-conditionally modified subinverted plagial past subjunctive uh, intentional before giving up, and in fact... In later editions of the book, all the pages beyond this point have been left blank to save on printing costs. Danny, um, what did any of that mean? Uh, it meant that it was really complicated and nobody read it, so they printed only a bit of it. Sure. What, you? you what? <laughs> it's like we don't bother off recording the second half of this podcast very often. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, are you taking piss? Right. Is this a reference to peer review? Wow. No. Oh, I thought John had fucking stitched me up. Right. So for the viewers, me and John wrote a book. It's called Peer Review. Uh, It's available on Amazon and other places, uh, probably bargain bins in in the middle of Suffolk or something. Um, But 
it got like uh, if you've ever written a book, it goes through lots and lots of edits. You have to keep on edit. Everybody that's involved in the process gets an opinion on it, and you'll have to re-edit the book there. I had to do another round of editing on my particular part because I didn't use any correct tense pretty much throughout the finished my my what I perceived as the finished draft. I was like, <laughs> that's fine, and people read it and went. No, it's not. They're like you've got events happening in the future, you've got events happening in the past. Like, and mine was supposed to be the straightforward point of view. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had to do an extra edit on the uh, on my entire c- contribution to a book because I couldn't get hold of tenses. Is that something you? And I'm not being funny. Is that something that you struggle with in writing? Because it doesn't strike me that it. It is. I tend to I tend to write everything in present tense, mm-hmm. um, but um, depends on depends on the bit. It it does sometimes need to be in a different tense. So that is something I just don't like. I don't really care about in between words. In between <laughs> words, you, it's um, you could you could just actually be Danny, just um, transplanted from a different culture or something, because um, not just poorly educated like all three of us were in the sort of liberal sixties um, teachers bit, where they essentially didn't bother about grammar. I mean, they're strict, like back on whacking them on the back of the knuckles with um, rulers if they don't understand about all subjunctive clauses mm. these days. But they didn't care when we were at school. That's true. No, but maybe you just come from another culture for example uh, the two cultures i'm thinking of uh it may be malaysia i may be wrong um but in uh, bahasa apparently people um use sort of adverbally sort of day type things to indicate their tent so um they wouldn't say i came here they would say i come here yesterday oh right okay or i come here tomorrow so that's they use those extra words they've got sort of day adverbs to indicate the past and the future um, and I can think of another example. There's an island in the South Pacific um, where their language um, has evolved. So it's a, it's a not particularly big island. Um, it's a and it's got the coast, obviously, because it's, it's an island. It's got a great big mountain on it, and uh, the the language there uses the phrases "by the water" to mean that's something quite nearby, or "up the mountain" to mean something that's far away. Oh, mm. and that's that's the that's their phrase. It's just like people. Like people in Birmingham say, round the reeking. Mm. I wonder if it changes your perception of distance using something like that, because there was lots of experiments during the 60s when people were doing, oh, fuck ton of acid, where they tried to eradicate the word I from their language for like a period of time, and it ended up being quite psychologically damaging to do that, like to kind of get rid of the ego. Like it's it's not... It's not a good, it, like, it's not a thing that you should definitely try, like, willy-nilly, like, just because you, your mate, like, had a bang on a spliff and went, yeah, you should not say the word I. Um, yeah. There's no I in team. Well, I bet it does, I bet, because um, because you've only got up the mountain or by the water. Everything seems quite quite close and quite precious and quite nice. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame um, we haven't got uh, John Hickman here, because... Uh, he probably used phrases like that back when he lived in uh, whatever weird island he lived in. So do like, sorry, are other... John, I'm sorry, that was a cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd feel bad now. Are other cultures that hot on grammar rules? Like, because I feel like in England we're not that hot on grammar. We don't really care. I think our language. I think English, uh, as spoken by 
the English, well, if correct English, is just so damn complicated. Lots of other languages are far more regular, aren't they? So you can. Um, so I was learn. I was learning French, right? In the first couple of years of school, and I was I was good. I was like, ah, French, yeah, okay, I'm down, yeah, okay. And then the teacher was like, yeah, uh, some words are complicated because some of them are masculine and some of them are mm. feminine. And you're gonna have to change the way you approach it. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm out. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Not yeah. learning anymore. I don't care about this. I would rather lick a battery. Yeah. It's objectively a dumb system. Like it's a beautiful language, but that whole system of gendered words is dumb. Yeah. So there's no reason for it's it. It's a fantastic job to be on the committee that decides what new which sex new inventions are though yeah absolutely <laughs> the academy francaise french french words for computational and modern things are actually quite beautiful like the french word for email is courriel which is like a lovely word it's a really nice word for email email and it is it's decided it's decided by committee oh but nobody uses them that's the thing that i understand is uh, uh, spe- uh Listening to a um, very bilingual uh, French person, like in, like not just bilingual, he's he's a he's a polyglot and a very very talented one. One of the things I think he he mentioned is that yes, the the Academy Française comes up with these words, but people don't use them. They may be the official term, but the 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 proles will still use you know email. Well, the street will always find its own use for things. That's all in Gibson. Um, but I am, as far as grammar, English grammar is concerned, I don't give a fuck. Like, 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 what is correct grammar is? It's really annoying, actually, that that people think that there is a correct set of rules. Like, there is, mm-hmm. like, language isn't constantly evolving and changing, and there's not new words constantly being added. Mm-hmm. Like, the only correction, the only correct English is English that communicates what you mean it's to communicate surely yes I, I i i'm completely with you my my whole thing is like i i believe that there are um <clears throat> rights and wrongs but it's not to do with uh prescription it's to do with friction and it's to do with re- removing friction and making the reading experience as uh as, as frictionless as possible as as easy and as smooth as possible so for example um, and everyone not, might not be like this, but if if I see a misused there, there, or there, I like I I bang on it for a minute, like I stop because my brain it picks it up, and it's not because it picks it up and, and it goes well. Blah, 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 blah. It's just it's distracting, and it's like a it's it's your it's sort of your you're moving along, la 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 la, and then clunk. It's like oh, hang on, there they meant t h e i r instead of t a whatever, and it's not about what's correct because it was written down in a in a tablet and 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 that's what we have to adhere to for me and what i've come to understand about my own attitudes to grammar um and it's the same with spelling um at which i'm terrible it's about removing friction for the reader and just making it possible for your eyes to kind of just glide across the words uh, as as easily as possible and so when you have fewer of those stumbling blocks um, it it creates less less of a problem. I mean, I am the kind of person who uses the word fewer instead of less in those circumstances, but I don't give a shit if other people do or don't. Um, especially in in verbal communication, because that matters even less. It's you know. I mean, all that being said, <laughs> I will fight and die on the Oxford Hill 
Com- uh, the Oxford uh, Comma Hill. Really? Definitely. The last person died on the Oxford Hill was um, the, one of Cromwell's generals. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, the Oxford Comma is essential like for clarity, and I don't understand people that think we should def it off. Mm. John, Oxford Comma, you live in Oxford. Come on. <laughs> um, Come on. That was beautiful, mate. That. that was beautiful. Bizarrely enough, um, the Oxford University Press do not exist on an Oxford Comma in their star guide. Ooh. So who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma? Obviously not Oxford. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what they say in that song? Yep. The, the, that's the vampire people. Mm, vampire people, yep. The uh, vampire, v- vampire uh, weekend, yeah. I thought they were saying karma. Uh, yes, it would, it, would, um, it, would, it would appear that it sounds like that, yes. Well, well, well the, the answer is obvious. Fucking me. And if you want to make something of it, vampire. I think I think you could probably take them down. They look a bunch of wimps. <laughs> and we'll have a we'll have a round. I mean, yeah, you can beat people up, but you're not going to travel. <laughs> oh, I'm going to sit on a coach for two and a half hours just to knock shit out of vampire band. Yeah, come on, vampire. What's their band? fucking name? Somebody fucking put me out my misery. <laughs> the Lost said Boys. It already. It's Vampire Weekend. Oh right, okay. <laughs> bunch of bastards. Let's just let's just get behind Mark Twain's proposal. What? Mark Twain had a very good proposal for the uh, simplification of English. Um, you should read it. It's almost illegible, but you should read it. <laughs> what was the proposal? Oh, it's, um, it's uh, it doesn't work, spoken. Oh, right, okay. It's, I'll pop a link in the show notes. And now, oh, look, it's uh, an invisible dot on an invisible dot. When you are put into the total perspective vortex, you are given just one momentary glimpse of the entire unimaginable infinity of creation, and somewhere in it, a tiny little marker, a microscopic dot on a microscopic dot, which says, you are here. The man who invented it did so basically in order to annoy his wife, who used to complain about him not having enough perspective. Okay, um, it's role play time, uh, Mr. Bounds. Um, walk me through your experience from being strapped in and the machine being turned on, um, with a little piece of uh, fairy cake being plugged into the other end, uh, to finding out your exact place in the universe. Um, Dan, you'll be up next. So um, I've been strapped into a machine, and yes, the machine's not the only thing turned on. Um, mm. That fairy cake is pretty delicious. I'm. I know uh, Zophod is the only one to uh, come out of this unscathed, mm. but I think my particular brain uh, space, I might come out of this, uh, this quite well. I'm, I'm thinking about it, but I'm str- and I don't think I'm struggling, to be honest. I think <laughs> the whole perspective, the whole microscopic dot on a microscopic dot thing is quite nihilist. It's quite, you cannot change the world. So what is the point trying you are insignificant but if you consider that we are only our perspective and others are only their perspectives and we even have to ask the question if others are real or we share the same perspective or if our perspectives are similar i know this sounds like the sort of thing you might say after you smoke some weed or you're in a uh, student party or you're in the shower yeah, but this. Oh, that's good shit. But you, your perspective is, in, in sort of true postmodernist terms, everything is relative. There is no fixed point from which to view the universe. I may have mentioned this before. So, from my perspective, from my perspective in the total perspective vortex, <laughs> if as long as I don't get too much fucking perspective, <laughs> I think that it's going to actually turn out to be 
pretty much, I'm not the most important person in the world, but in my world I am, or, or I'm up there in the worlds of, of some of you guys, maybe, hopefully, perhaps. Um, so I think, um, Hi there, this, it is rather, uh, yeah, it's very, uh, nihilistic, um, uh, idea. If that if Douglas thought this, if he really genuinely thought that about the world, I I would be surprised because I think certainly later on he he's one of those people that is attempting to change the world for the better through his writings and 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 speaking. So he wouldn't have thought that we were simply microscopic dots. He might have thought he might be he might be his way of saying shit. Don't sweat. Don't get too big headed and don't sweat the small stuff. But, um, yeah, no one's that much of a nihilist. But, uh, yeah, Dan. Charlie Brooker might be. <laughs> Is that a challenge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, you're asking me what it's like to be in a dark room wondering how insignificant you are in the universe. Or, as I call it, Fridays. Oh, yeah. And you go and you stand on your own. And then you leave on your own. <laughs> and you're strapped in and the machine is turned on. So you're strapped in the machine. Um, I, I imagine a lot of clunking because I'm oh, yeah. um, I'm picturing the um, the this the, the the MRI scan that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and please keep your head still. Yes, and a, a sudden sense of vertigo. It's black. Mm. I'm shown the universe, and I, I'm shown a small dot on the universe. It zooms in for a second to let me know it's Earth. And then it zooms out and out and out. And my stomach is flipping and flipping and flipping. And it zooms out and out and out and out and out. And then it slowly zooms back in. Slowly letting me really fucking think about every bit it's moving. Like every bit it's moving is probably like 500 light years, but it's still going nowhere. And I can see it slowly crawling. And eventually after what seems like hours, it crawls to Earth. It crawls to Earth, and you see Earth, and then you see the continent that I l- used to live on, and then I, I see it zooms in, and you can see the cities. You're just making out the cities, and then you can make out the streets, and then you can make out your room, and then you can make out you sitting in your bed, and then you zoom out, and then you zoom out, but you're not zooming out anymore. You're zooming out to a city, but the city's going backwards in time backwards in time and all those people are just as insignificant as you just as pathetic just as worthless and then you go forward in time and you see cities being built massive glass cities of, of, of silver and gold of, of, of starships and they're just as significant, insignificant as you and you feel for once happy happy freed there's absolutely no pressure you, you don't have to do anything like the person that achieved the most in the world what is the person that achieved most in the world like i'm genuinely asking like the uh, genghis khan genghis khan is responsible for like a huge amount of people that are still living on this planet like most most people can trace their lineage back to genghis khan uh alexander the great like come on hit me with a name that means something uh caesar caesar in the context of infinity caesar is fuck all he's the same as you everything he's done with his life everything he's achieved is the same it doesn't matter and if it doesn't matter then there's no pressure and if there's no pressure then why are we worrying 
like I, I don't think the total vortex the total perspective vortex is a bad thing I think we need too much fucking perspective we don't we don't we need to know that this is just all a bit of a laugh and we should it, take it as it, such but it isn't the lived experience for lots of people isn't just a bit of a laugh it's painful we'll strap them in the fucking machine then John <laughs> We'll strap them all in. D- Danny's Danny's take is essentially um, Douglas's take, with the addition that he would that, he, that that's quite liberating, and that is why nihilism is an attractive um, uh, philosophy. That you know, nothing matters. With uh, like nothing matters with the tag on, but you got to make you got to make things that matter to yourself. I think I was essentially being the cultural Marxist, but I think. But if you, I think. If, um, as Bill and Ted said, the only thing you can do is be excellent to each other, right? And I think that's essentially what, that's what, I think that's what, I think Jesus has said something quite similar. Um, Blessed are the cheesemakers, yep. I think, um, you know, you, you're great philosophers, uh, Bill and Ted, Jesus. That guy um, who said, naughty, naughty, very naughty, that one. Mr. C from The Shame. Yeah. Well, he was quoting Ebenezer Good, sure. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, you know, Marx, uh, Engels, these are, um, you know, uh, Gramaski, these are the the people that would essentially say that there, you are your brother's keeper, mm. particularly because I've got him locked in the attic, uh, lest he get out and uh, soil our family now. He's, uh, he's, he's a big fella, my brother, I'm not, like... I'm a zookeeper, probably, but not. <laughs> uh, no, you're right, John. There was um, there's a philosopher uh, that is either sci-fi writer, philosopher. I forget. It might be Ray Bradbury, which makes him a sci-fi writer. But he said, like the sum, uh, like everything that I've read and researched so far, at the end of my life, the sum of my knowledge can be boiled down to it'd probably be better if we were a bit nicer to each other, which oh, I find absolutely wonderful. I absolutely love it. Now for the most massively useful thing any interstellar hitchhiker can carry. You can wrap it around you for warmth as you bound across the cold moons of Jaglan Beta. You can lie on it, on the brilliant marble sanded beaches of San Trajanus V. You can sleep under it, beneath the stars which shine so readily on the desert world of Cacrafoon. Use it to sail a mini-raft down the slow, heavy river moth. Wet it for use in hand-to-hand combat. Wrap it round your head to ward off noxious fumes or avoid the gaze of the ravenous bug-blatter beast of trial. You can wave it in emergencies as a distress signal. And, of course, you can dry yourself off with it if it still seems clean enough. Ford has one from Marks and Spencers. Rooster has one that's soaked in nutrients that he lends to Zaphod. It's towels. Towels. What's, um... What's your favourite towel, Dan? I, as you as you may know, and as the uh, listener might not know, I've travelled a bit. I've been about, mm-hmm. um, and I have. It's not a towel. It is a piece of cloth that is towel size, but it's <laughs> it's actually a little bit thinner. Did it once start its life out as a towel and has now become something else? Uh, no, no, no. The oh. towel is a bit too heavy, but it, it, it's. Um, uh, the one I'm using at the moment is a um, I bought in India and it's got a picture of Ganesh on it, mm. um, and it's kind of like a thin material, but it is, and it makes me wonder, like, like this comes from definitely his travelling background because it is incredibly useful to have a piece of cloth of that size 
for many different purposes. Uh, I was trying to make a list of the things that I used it for. Um, so you can use it as a beach covering. You can use it as sarong. You can use it as a towel. You set it up as a sunblock when uh, the sun's in your eyes. You can use it as a pillow. Scrunch it up, use it as a pillow. It's really useful in um, hostile situations. Not hostile, hostile situations, mm-hmm. although I can see why the words are similar. Um, you can set it up so your face, like, because they put the beds really close together sometimes, and sometimes you wake up and there's another person's face really close to you, and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's super weird when that happens. So you can kind of set it up as a mini privacy barrier um you can use it as an extra sheet on your bed like there are a million and one uses for a piece of cloth of that size um absolutely there and uh, the dirty wash a dirty laundry bag if you if you've got to carry stuff to the laundry you wrap it all up in that and you wave it over your shoulder like a huge bindle um so yes like there is that like it, it's wonderful because that is an incredibly apposite and um interesting piece of advice that absolutely holds there's also uh there's also reason to carry around a smaller bit of cloth so you know scouts wear neckerchiefs Mm. you know they wear a neckerchief because it's incredibly useful to wear a neckerchief it comes from um basically the soldiers used to do it in the boer war because they used it as a a, to keep the sun off their back off their off their necks Mm -hmm. But it can be a sweatband that covers your head. It can be a, a piece of cloth that covers your mouth that protects mm-hmm. you from dust. You can you can hold things together with it. I, I like to keep the ends of my neckerchief knotted. So, you know, I carry around a handkerchief or a piece of cloth like that. Mm-hmm. I, I still do. And it's incredibly useful to keep the ends of it knotted so you can flick people and proper catch them on their ass. You can wrap things up. And it's also uh, for first aid. You can use it as a bandage or a sling or, you know, an eye covering. If you've got something in your eye, you need to uh, protect it. So... Those things are, it, it's a funny joke, but it is actually incredibly useful. And I will posit that um, he must have had experience in scouts. Come on. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I essentially just dry myself with towels and then sometimes have to wash them if I've dried my bum a bit too closely, that's all. Yeah, there was, um, I, I, my um, my old boss years ago asked me this. Well, he was sort of, he was doing a bit for the room and I think it was a bit that he'd, he'd got from someone else. Is When is a towel... If you just use a towel at home and you just use it to towel yourself off when you've been in the shower or the bath, when is it dirty? It's never dirty. Yeah. So why do we wash towels? Oh, that well, that simple to get them all nice and fl- to get them nice and fluffy again. Yeah, maybe they go. Maybe they go a bit mouldy because they don't dry properly or something. Yeah. Oh, that that happened to me because um, I uh, listen. The listener won't know this, but I don't really have a sense of smell, and. Um, the first time I went camping for a long period and was left to to a degree, my, my tent was left, you know, to, to my own devices. That's not a phrase, but you understand what I mean. Uh, I was I was without parents and I was just with a, with a group of people and I got an award at the end of the three and a half weeks for the smelliest towel. Nice. Because I was, I don't know, 16 and it hadn't occurred to me because I'm not very bright. You, you, you know, 50, 57 episodes of this show will will attest to that. I'm articulate, but I'm not smart. Um, that I went swimming or had some sort of beach activity, toweled myself off, and just put my towel back in my bag and just basically left it for days. Fuck them! Fuck them and their clean smelling, <laughs> them clean smelling towel. Co- 
like fuck them with their judgy oh my towels like what a weird thing to be proud of you bunch of weirdo snobs like oh my towel is so clean yeah well done like here's a round of applause now fuck off like who cares i'm i'm with you mate i'm with you let's make all our towels smelly Ice particles. Which is, it just becomes a cycle of get, you have a wash, towel yourself off with a smelly towel, need another wash. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm over it now. That reminds me, my dad's colorblind, right? So recently I've had to move back in with the parents. I'm at the parents' house, and uh, my dad's colorblind, and he likes a bit of paint on his toast. I don't know if it's a bit. <laughs> And it's don't definitely know, pate. It's definitely I know, I, pate. I know that, and I yeah. don't know if my dad knows that, and it's a bit it. Okay. Or, okay, sorry. But he likes a bit of pate. And I, sure. I'm like, mum doesn't eat the pate, and I don't eat the pate, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's dad's, and it's his little treat sometimes. He gets up in the morning, has a bit of pate, and it's brilliant, right? <laughs> yeah. So I get up, I happen to get up in the morning once, and um, see my dad making um, his toast with uh, the pate, <laughs> right? Now, my dad is colorblind, like, very, very much so. So I look at the pate. And it's brown paint, absolutely teeming with green and brown mould. Oh, no. I don't know how long he's been eating mouldy paint. (laughs) Because he can't. I was like, Dad, what the fuck are you doing? This looks like a science experiment. And my dad's like, I can't. can't, It looks just look brown to me. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, I, 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 he's still kicking around, bless him. Like he's still, <laughs> he's still now looks... immune to three different tropical diseases. <laughs> he's very cultured, Joe. Um, <laughs> ah. But he's just, he's just taking um, official government advice, as far as I'm aware, at the moment. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I read the old, um, the old. Uh, oh, the scraping the scraping the mold yeah. jam thing. Yeah, uh, it's a preserve, you dickhead. If you've got mold on it, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> 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 so uh, international towel day or just towel day as it's known uh, is on the 25th of may uh if you're uh, in in cambridge you can um, go on a douglas adams walk you can hear a talk by the two remaining members of adams's old sketch group uh or you can see some towel day stand-up if you want to find out more there's lots of events happening all over the place uh, there's like i don't know seven uh but there are some uh, and you'll find them all at towelday.org <laughs> And finally, before the next segment, there will be a short delay. Transstellar Cruise Lines ran a liner that kept a ship in stasis for 900 years while awaiting a complement of lemon-soaked paper napkins. Fact fans, uh, or pedants as they're more commonly known, will know that an alternative version of the company name is Transstellar Space Lines. Now, John, you know a bit about programming. Um, is this a good description of an infinite loop, or is it more of a r- resource management issue? This, and I don't think it's an infinite loop. I think this is, uh, if you were programming in Z80 machine code, you, this is the sort of thing you'd attempt to do in the interrupts, because uh, it's essentially uh, listening, like it's listening for a keystroke. It's listening yes. for an external input. Yes. And the probability is, of course, that eventually another civilization will evolve uh, that will produce lemon-soaked uh, paper, nap- paper napkins and deliver them to the stranded liner. Um I think it's uh it's a very good example of um the problems with um I, not I won't necessarily say outsourcing 
or jobs worthery, but it's when um, responsibility is uh, not shared, but sort of cordoned off. Yeah. So if uh, if the, the responsibility of the uh, bit of the operating system was keeping the ship in stasis, waiting for those lemon-soaked uh, paper napkins, that's in if that's not being connected to the bit of the ship that was probably trying to keep them get them to the destination or mm-hmm. or whatever so there's um there's some dreadful uh bits of program it's like when the um have you ever been on a uh, a virgin train where there's people going up and down stocking the the buffet car or the bar or whatever they call it these days the the cafeteria they probably call it um or it's that's what i've just Bert- replaced with my aeropress richard branson's um richard richard dick's bar or whatever they probably call it um but anyway yes. so there are some people there who are totally responsible for stocking that bar mm. um but the member of staff who's responsible for serving you at the buffet car isn't on the train due to some sort of staffing issue, <laughs> but, but they can't. It's like, and it, it, this, it's not their fault. Like I've worked in bars and if you're the person who's responsible for cl- collecting the glasses and, w- and washing the pots, you can't serve. Mm-hmm. It, maybe you're not old enough. Mm-hmm. So there's no yeah. point seeing someone behind the bar going, Oh, they're washing the pots. Why are they coming to serve me? They can't, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's not their, it's not their fault. It's, it's bad system design. And, um, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. This does sound like uh, the sort of cruise liner that Richard Branson probably doesn't own, but does put his name on in return for a bit of bunts. Ah, uh, yes, it's it's a licensed uh, branding uh, exercise. Yes, I I always like I really enjoy this. I enjoy it in both versions actually. Um, in the in the book and the radio show, because it's got a couple of things like it's funny and it's it's not exactly satirical, um, because there wasn't enough computerized stuff i think then to really go ham and, and and satirize but it is it's 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 one of those things a little bit like the serious cybernetics corporation that we can look at now and and it kind of means more now than it did then but th- there's also a kind of horror element to it because the people kept keep getting woken up every um it's either 10 or or 100 years and they keep getting woken up out of stasis and they're all panicking. They're all, they, they know exactly what's going on. It's not like, um, you know, they, like they, their memory is carrying forward when this happens. So every time they're getting woken up and they're like, we want to leave. We want to get out of here. But the stewards are just going up and down the ship going, please relax uh, and, and, and enjoy your flight. We will be taking off, you know, shortly. And then they go back down under again. And I think it's, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of horrifying and it's 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 quite well portrayed in the radio show because it's at that point where Zaphod and Ford meet Zani Whoop. There are a few Douglas or Adamsisms uh that appear in Hitchhikers that ring more and more true. They age just like the the mold on on jam or the uh, the fuzz that appears on your pate. If that's called hair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is um, that's all the show that you're getting this week. Um, tough, so uh, <laughs> how confrontational is that? I know. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. There's, there's, some, there's some words. Listen to them. Fuck up. I love you dearly, listener. I do. Um, you should write more um, and go go go, <laughs> go call your mother. Um, 
thank you very much for, for being with us uh, this week. It's been absolutely lovely to have you along. Uh, if you want to keep up with what we are doing, you can follow Danny on Twitter at Probably Drunk. You can find John Bounds at Bounder, and you will find me on Instagram at I Am Stedman. Uh, thank you for listening. Until next week, share and enjoy. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. Transstellar Cruise Lines runs a liner that kept a... Sh- it ran. Tense, you see. <laughs> Just relax a bit, mate. Just relax a bit. <laughs> <laughs>